1: Like Kobe in a fourth quarter. This is the Dane Moore NBA podcast brought to you by Blue Wire Podcast. Recording this on Monday afternoon with Chris Hine of the Star Tribune, Timberwolves beat writer. Chris wrote an excellent piece on Anthony Edwards and his background coming from Atlanta. Chris, you traveled to Atlanta over the All Star break to put together your reporting on this story. Uh, there, there's, there's, a, there's a ton of details that are new to all of us with ant and and these people that kind of shaped him in atlanta so i first and foremost recommend everybody going to read this piece i think it's probably the longest article you, you've ever written
2: for it the, is for the star tribune. I, I, I think it is yeah i wrote one that was longer and at the chicago tribune maybe one or two others but this is the longest piece i've written for the star tribune in my four years here yes
1: the first thing is i'm reading through that there's like Five different families that you talked to, who who were instrumental in in Ant's yep. life, and and all these other mentors and people that that came through through his life. And so, how I think about it is, you had to talk to a, a ton of people here and go to Atlanta. It's called what what was the name of the the Oakland, area?
2: Oakland City, um, and uh, I, I didn't go to there specifically um i was i really i rented a car and i was just driving around atlanta for about four days (laughs) (laughs) just over the break, texting all these people i i really wanted to to talk to these people in person because those are the best conversations right and when you're doing a story like this i didn't want to just do it over the phone with them i wanted to meet them in person um and there were people that i spoke to that weren't quoted in the piece just for the sake of trying to keep this somewhat short i i left some people out that i actually drove around and spoke to um that that happens sometimes when you do stories like this um but yeah it was i and i think it was worth it i'm glad i was glad that my editors uh approved the idea they spent the money because you know it's it's Cost money for me to go down there and 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 do this. So I was glad that and the space and the paper look like to give it the design and the look. Everything looked great. It was kind of what I had envisioned when I pitched this story to them back in maybe late January or so.
1: Right. I mean, you and I have been talking about this a little bit. I knew I knew this was was coming from you and was was curious to see how you you put it together because I think it is a different context. You're the only one of us who is. Physically traveled to Atlanta to to see, you know, where he grew up, and I I think being there in the story seemed to, or you having been there, painted the story a little bit more and where these places were and 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 what they looked like, and I think the the most interesting one to me and was new information was of the, the former Vikings player yes. who he kind of grew up with. His name was Chris, Chris Hinton. Chris Hinton. Yep, yep. And and that was interesting to me because a, and as you expand on in, in the story, where, where Ant grew up was a, you know, quote unquote, dangerous neighborhood. He was instructed to, sure. you know, to be in, indoors and, and stay safe, keep his head down and, and do his thing. But it's kind of this juxtaposition of, a dangerous area but also this Chris Hinton house exactly. and, and his son who was Ant's best friend mm-hmm. growing up was not that. <laughs> Hinton yes. was an NFL player and it kind of gave Ant this
2: insight into what it looks like mm-hmm. to be a professional athlete. And that was the moment where he realized look I could have, I could do this. I could be a professional athlete. Now he thought he was going to the NFL because growing up, that was what everybody thought he was going to do. It was up until he was around maybe 14, 15. It was, oh, he's going to be an NFL player. He's going to the NFL or he he could be on that track, division one college. So that was what the focus was when he was a kid. And so being at the Hinton's house, it was like this eye opening moment for him, you know, at eight, nine, 10 years old. He's looking around at this beautiful, I think uh, Chris said it was a 12,000 square foot house that they that they used to have. They don't have it anymore, um, but a 12,000 square foot house with a pool. And so here's eight, nine, 10-year-old aunt coming up here with his best friend, Chris, playing video games and stuff, but also just like in awe of, of this place where they where they used to live. Which,
1: again, is such an interesting juxtaposition because then you, you continue on to talk about quite frankly the evolving environment that you, you say eight or nine years old in, in that time but Ant's life kind of changed profoundly in the next five six yep. years from there he obviously loses his mother and and grandmother at at 14 years old and that kind of leads to a lot of other families in addition to the Hintons kind of taking him in and, and watching him grow and and develop and I I think it's probably what we all would have thought that they all just loved and 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 he was such a he was such kind of like a joy of an addition to to their families what which which other one of those families or mentors really stood out to you
2: you know i think uh i actually interviewed uh chris hinton and dana watkins together we we, we went to lunch one day um when i was in atlanta and i think that was the other one that stood out to me was the watkins family um Hinton and Watkins kind of knew him from about the same age until about the same age. Like they, they both kind of, their sons played football together. You know, Watkins coached him a little bit in AAU basketball for a while, from about eight, nine till about maybe 14, 15, maybe about 15 or so. And then Ant went to Holy Spirit and started working with his trainer, Justin Holland, kind of went on a different path. But for about that five, six years there, those those were families that were very close to each other and, and close to Ant. And I think that was the one, I think Ant refers to Watkins as kind of a godfather to him. And, you know, always kind of made sure Ant just had his back, you know, just, right. you know, do you need a place to stay, you know, made sure that maybe some other bad influences didn't enter his life, you know, you know do you need a meal do you do you need a ride you know that kind of stuff and i think that was the one, that was the other one that stood out to me it was just i it, it felt like these these families they weren't trying to fill a quote unquote void in his life you know as i say in the piece that his dad wasn't around much um they were just there they were just kind of there making sure he just had what he needed you know and and i think Ant appreciated that they loved having him in the house as you can imagine he was just the the stories they could tell. I mean, I, I have a few more that I left on the cutting room floor, but um, you know, just all energy, all the time, a joy to have in the house. Um, and like, you know, Watkins told me he's like, he's like, Ant and, and his brother Bubba, he's like, they were on our Christmas cards one year. Like that's how close of of family members they were to to these families. And and
1: Bubba and uh his other Siblings, I th- mm-hmm. th- those were also really interesting perspective to get mm-hmm. on Ant and who he was growing up at that time, and specifically in the time of real trauma yeah. that that hit Ant, and and that I think painted a picture for me a little bit more of what that looked like. You know, we can all estimate what trauma sure. is by when when lo- when anybody deals with loss, but that that context i i found really valuable in sort of piecing together what at 14 years old losing his mother and grandmother who was the matriarch yep of yep. of that that family mm-hmm. looked like and and how aunt as a 14 year old kind of chose chose to deal with it did that stick out to you as much as it did
2: to me it did and that was you know in talking to to Bubba and he was very gracious with his with his time and uh his uncle Chris as well who's also quoted a couple times in the piece it was really you know Bubba used the term blank moments you know that was that, and I thought that was a very a, a, a very descriptive term you know, and, and it really, that helped paint the picture for me. I thought it's like, you just have these moments where it's like, damn, like, it's really like, they're really gone, you know? Yeah. And, but at the same time in the same breath, they didn't let it get them down or they couldn't, they couldn't let it get them down, you know, the whole family. And so it was just, we got to keep moving. We got to keep focused. You know, his aunt is the youngest of his four siblings. So at the time they were all a little older. They're so they're still very young. You know, they're still, in their, they're 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 still they, in their they, late teens. This isn't that long ago. The, right. This, this isn't that long. Ago. This is, is six 20 years, years ago. This yeah. is six years ago that this happened. And his siblings, it's not like they were in their, you know, late 20s or 30s. They're still in their late teens, their early 20s. They're still all trying to figure mm-hmm. their lives out, you know, and but they just kept moving. And for Aunt, I think that rep that. Manifested itself in some way in the work ethic that he eventually developed in basketball and his uncle Chris kind of said as much It's like he just threw himself into basketball and I think that's how he progressed through it. It was just sports all the time it was just sports and and Justin Holland his his longtime trainer who he still works with you know said the same thing it's like we day night whenever we could get a workout in you know we could. And that was that was basically that was it. it. It became basketball from then on. He got injured in football in his freshman year. Said, "I don't want to do this anymore." Focused on basketball, and by his sophomore year, was that was the year that everybody around him said, "Oh shoot, like, like, okay, he's not just a good basketball player, but he's a great basketball player." And he that's when he really made the leap and, and was really on the path to where he got to today, which is.
1: Again, really good context on the, mm-hmm. the football stuff because mm-hmm. as we all remember that sort of infamous ESPN article that, that came out right when right before the draft. Right before the draft, yeah. And mm-hmm. and you know, and Ant said in that that basketball or football is his is his favorite sport and all this and that, that was his dream. And that as you're reporting details, it was his favorite sport. Right. It didn't stay that way. Yes. It it did shift in ninth grade, which mm-hmm. Quite frankly, it's like you didn't play football that long if you only played right, through ninth grade. Right, you know what I mean? Right, right, right. And and then he he pivoted in into basketball. And and that seemed like a much more accurate depiction of of what Ant's progression was from football yeah. to basketball. But football at the same time as you detailed, mm-hmm. you know, that that also kind of laid the the
2: groundwork of being an athlete, correct, being being correct. In, in in sports in that way too. So where did and, and you definitely see yeah. it in, in how you know he comes into the NBA, you know, very well built. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it looks like a football player. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, that that was like, and like I said, that was that was the path for for until he was about 14, 15. That's what everybody thought he was going to do. They right. thought it was going to be a football career for him, and you know, his friend Chris Hinton, the son of the offensive lineman, is now. Yeah, declared for the NFL draft and might be drafted in a couple of. When's the draft? I don't like even know. Week or so I, I I don't pay attention to, <laughs> yeah. to that. Um, but he might be drafted in a couple in a crazy. couple of days here. So go figure, right? Yeah, it is. <laughs> it is interesting
1: how that background of of football to basketball and then basketball really became the focus. Yes, his sort of sophomore, but junior and senior seasons, mm-hmm. and he reclassified at Correct. that time. So when he got to Holy Spirit, he was in 11th grade, but that he kind of fast forwarded to senior year. Kind of
2: right? uh, uh, something. I, I'm unclear on the time frame of that. I yeah
1: It seems yeah, like everyone I, kind of is.
2: Right. I was a little unclear. He, he spent his freshman year at Farrell High School, which is a, a public – Public high school in Atlanta, and then he transferred um, to to Holy Spirit. And Holy Spirit uh, was interesting. I didn't get to really include many details about this in my piece, but I I didn't. I drove to Holy Spirit one day just to. Uh, his coach told me like uh, just just go drive by the school, so I, I went and drove by the school, and it's like this little school kind of tucked in this more. It looks a pretty like a pretty affluent neighborhood um and I, I kind of understood like why and, and i mentioned this in the piece like why people at holy spirit it was like they didn't really care that they had one of the potential top draft picks in the nba in their backyard <laughs> They're uninterested there were very, it's, they really like, he said it was a very weird dynamic it's like they didn't really know what, what was happening there wasn't a the, their games were well attended but there wasn't a ton of like fanfare around like his it high wasn't like career. one of those
1: like mont Academy, academy right, where right. where delo went and mm-hmm. i think ben simmons was there too those, mm-hmm. those uh private schools that yeah. are really basketball breeding grounds and i think that is what i before the article that's i kind of just figured holy spirit right, was that right, exactly. like a it, it, atlanta it basketball really powerhouse
2: yeah it really was interesting he wound yeah. up there Exactly, yeah, and it seemed very formative too. Yeah, and and it was, and and you know, one of the big people in his life uh, is a woman named Rachel Little, um, who kind of oversaw his day to day activities. I guess you could say there made sure, you know, his grades were were up.
1: Ant's favorite white person he's ever met. Ant's favorite white person
2: that he <laughs> ever met. That's a quote from the story. That's a quote from the story. Uh, <laughs> um, so Ant. <laughs> I'm not going to lie when he when he said that. I, I laughed a little bit on the phone <laughs> when he said that. Um, but uh, yeah. And so she was another one of these people that entered his life at that at that moment. Um, again, do you need a ride? Do you need a meal? Do you need a place to stay? You know, but at the same time, I think all these people, they marveled at him as well. And like they just admired his character, his his makeup, his his courage and fortitude to overcome, you know, sure. what he went through uh, with his mom and grandma dying. Um, and I think they all I think he had an impact on them as well, much, as much as they uh, had an impact on him.
1: And and I, we're, we're highlighting all these people and you in, in the article, highlight all these people who. Mm-hmm helped ant get to where he is today, but mm-hmm. I, I think a lot of the credit
2: goes to Ant himself. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, yeah. yeah. For for and, putting and in the work. That's what everybody said. Like, you know? you know, this is this is this kid was driven. You know, the, the the mantra that comes up, everybody said this independently of each other. And that's why I put it in the story. It was like he always did what he had to do. That was the that was the phrase that kept coming up in my interviews with people. He did what he had to do. He got through. He he got good enough grades in school to to stay afloat. Yeah, he's very smart, um, and he could probably be an a, you know a straight A student if he if he wasn't so devoted to basketball all the time. Um, He did what he had to do. You know, he just he he lived with different people. You know, he he lived with his uncle, Drew, uh, one of his old uh, football coaches, a guy named Drew Banks, um, who is still very much in his life today. Um, Just always did what he had to do. He kept his head down. Didn't let didn't let any sorrow or grief overtake him. Um, Just didn't let any any other distractions in his life get in his way. Just always did what he had to do to accomplish this goal of getting at first the NFL, but <laughs> then the NBA. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean, and, and just, uh, I mean, we've known Ant to the degree mm-hmm. that a reporter knows mm-hmm. a, a player for, for two years now. And I'll just say, like, for me, pretty much since day one, not just the funny stuff, mm-hmm. but like, I've been impressed by Ant as a person. 100%. The, the whole time. And that comes off with, mm-hmm. um, like some social iq and maybe that you do see in the, mm-hmm. the way he handles press conferences and stuff but he's also it just sticks out to me that that he's smart and more cognizant of of everything mm-hmm. uh he's he's a thinker that sort of comes off as joking but yeah. Yeah. but but he's not he's he, I, I think he has a lot of depth to him and mm-hmm. i'm just i'm very intrigued by him as a person i always just find myself Thinking about like, okay, yeah, this kid is 19 is rookie 20 now, 20 (laughs) years old right now. And I'm so fascinated to see who he becomes as a 25 year old. Yeah. You know, and we, we've talked about that over the years with, you know, Andrew Wiggins and Carl Anthony Towns. And they, you know, they, you come into the league as a teenager Mm -hmm. and you have all these, these things put, these, these pressures put on you as a teenager that are expectations of an adult, right? And and those and we all become quote unquote adults at like at a different age in terms of maturity and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And I'm just mm-hmm. I'm fascinated to see what Ant looks like, absolutely, and and, and how he develops, dude. What what comes to your mind with, with that, and and how he's going to continue
2: to grow as a as a person, you not know, just a basketball I, player. It's interesting. I I I think the, the term old soul was also thrown around a lot in that in that article and. I think in a lot of ways he's he's mature for his age. Um, for sure. I think you I think you still see flashes of being a kid and 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 I, it, like when you came he came over to our interview today in slippers. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You know, uh, like it's it's and and you know, one of the stories that Rachel Little told me was you know he, he wanted her to drive his car and like oh, yeah. you know, he, and he was just very like his Lamborghini and he was and she said he was just like do you want to see my car? Let me, let me show you my car. Like, it's great. Come and, come and drive my car. Like, you know, like just very innocent in in a way too. And, you know, I I guess one thing that I'm curious about as he, as he gets older is as, as he gets older, that naturally comes with more of a leadership reign. You know, I think at 20 for his, for his, Popular as he is, like it's so hard to step into a leadership void on an NBA basketball team. Well, and Even you already have his, two.
1: Le- I mean, you already
2: have you already have a, a couple guys that that fill that void. He could
1: he could have overasserted himself, right? Exactly. I kind of thought he was doing it. Remember the beginning right, of the, the beginning year? of the season after that it, lost? it definitely seemed yeah.
2: like he was going to be much more outspoken about things, um, but he didn't. He wasn't that way as the season yeah. went on. Um, I, I, I am very curious to see how his leadership. Develops. It feels like he's a natural leader in that sense. And as he gets older, as he you know gets his inevitable next big contract right. and the cachet that comes with that, how does that how does that develop in him? And I think I think you know I don't I it seems like you don't have to worry too much about that because I think he's naturally that's what he gravitates towards that kind of role.
1: It, it is. I mean, you look around the league. At some other, I mean Zion as. As mm-hmm. a comparison of like, look at where the, the Pelicans are right now and whatever the heck's going on with, yep. with with Zion there. And, you know, that's shaping up to be a situation where you're like, you don't even know if Zion's going to be on that team yep. in, in a couple of years from now. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, that was always going to happen with some first overall pick was they, you know leverage their way out of there Correct. and you probably were yeah. like oh if that's gonna happen it's probably gonna happen to one of the bad teams like the kings or the pelican you know the small markets right. the timberwolves right right and so i just remember that at the time when they when they drafted ant and i was like you know you, you can't mess this up right you know you, right. you can't mess this up and what what i think is impressive about what chris finch and sasha gupta mm-hmm. have have done this season is it doesn't feel like an environment that things could get messed up in. It seems very controlled, right? And, and Ant is growing in it. He is taking on more of a leadership role. He has developed in in his second year. And so I think as a Timberwolves fan, I would imagine people are just pretty confident about the future and that or even he's talking today about Finch's extension. He's like, mm-hmm. you know, a long time here together. Yeah. I was like, yeah. But I think, you know, he, he said and mm-hmm. – that's such just a powerful thing for this organization that Ant has this ceiling that we can't really define, and he's whatever that is. He's probably going to find it here.
2: And, and look at how quickly it happened too. Right. Like you know, remember remember early last year when we were all kind of like, ah, I don't know, <laughs> he's coming off the bench, you know, and then it's ah, crazy. He did come, you off know, the bench. like like he it wasn't from day one. Like it was this automatic was franchise cornerstone. <laughs> yeah. No, it was it was it was a one from day. <laughs> 42 maybe, you know, right. uh, and, and it just has just happened so quickly, the, you know, Finch gets here. He has a great second half to last season, continued it into this season. Um, and to your point about the environment, I think that I think what they have going on right now is, is such a good thing. And I think if somebody steps out of line in terms of that environment, like they're the problem and like it's on them to get back in line you know what i mean yeah like like, not necessarily like, like it's like they have this it's hard to explain but it's like if somebody steps out of line it's like everybody's kind of incumbent upon them to like hey get back we're all trying we're all trying to work towards the same goal here get back with us get back on the same page and let's keep this moving forward you know which you may not may not have always had no. here or in other franchises. <laughs> totally.
1: Yeah. Uh let's mix in a quick break here and then we're gonna bring Chris back and we'll uh mm-hmm. we'll talk a little bit about Chris Finch signing a extension today and also we had a chance to talk to Patrick Beverly and Finch sort of about this this matchup against against the Clippers on Tuesday night for the plan. So we'll be back with Chris in a second
0: we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate
1: All right, we are back with Chris Hine of the Star Tribune. First segment, we discussed his his piece on Anthony Edwards um, at the Star Tribune. You can still read that at startribune.com. But, Chris, we also have a basketball game. We do. Tomorrow. Uh, a big one. Very exciting. Yeah, no, it, it is. I'm, I, I'm excited. I'm, yeah, it was like yesterday when we showed up here or on on Sunday for the final game of the season. I'm like, what? what are we doing here? Like, I am already to Tuesday in my mind. <laughs> we all were, and they you know? were too. It was <laughs> pretty clear from the first
2: <laughs> half that they were already on to Tuesday.
1: Right. Yeah. um What happened today? um mm-hmm. Sort of, you know, out of out of left field was was that Chris Finch re- received in extension today mm-hmm. he talked about it to us after after practice about how it was something that the organization came to him about he mm-hmm. still had time left on his you know his previous deal he was just yeah. hired a year ago yep, you yep, know yep. but they they committed to him long term which mm. i don't think anyone's like oh i don't know if that's good i mean everyone is but, Finch has a very high Q rate. Yes, yes. In, You're
2: not going to see in, many people in the comments sections like, oh, I blast, love this blasting <laughs> this extension, correct? But but
1: it's still, yeah. you know, it's it's still a meaningful thing. It it signals right that they're going to continue to be building something. Finch has mm-hmm. talked about this year as a, a first step in in building a foundation. So, mm-hmm. just from you, I mean, nobody's around this team more than you are. How have you seen Chris Finch? Do those things he's talking about, doing what Sasha Gupta was saying today about mm-hmm. how Finch has kind of employed this identity of of this team this season.
2: I guess I guess the word I, I come back to a lot with him is just structure. Yeah. You know, whether it's offensive structure, whether it's defensive structure, whether it's structure in terms of personalities, personalities or, yeah. and holding people. There is structure in this organization. Where there wasn't before on the court and off the court and that that is when you talk to people around the nba that is what you need you need structure for for these players to thrive you know talent without structure is not gonna is not gonna produce what you want it to but if you channel everything and get everybody going in the right direction that is the most important and powerful thing for, for an NBA team and that is what I think he has provided in his year plus on the job
1: and I think that's the distinction from the Rosas Saunders mm-hmm. regime right is that or the, the difference between Rosas and Saunders and Finch and Gupta is there seems to be more of a, a pairing or to use the word alignment yes. right yeah. between those two and I think
2: we have to do a shot now that yeah. somebody said alignment
1: <laughs> Yes, of this coffee here. <laughs> yeah. Um I think that was a pretty big um misstep for Rosas, or maybe he underestimated what like I I'm very it's a very fascinating hypothetical to be mm-hmm. what would have it looked like if Chris Finch was the the head coach hired as the head coach yeah. in 2018-19. Right that very first season. That that Finch was here, and I, or that that Rosas was here, and mm-hmm. I think, had that happened, everything would have taken a very, would have been different in a whole lot of different ways because I think Rosas and Finch would have been aligned differently than Rosas and Saunders. I, th- I think
2: so. I th- I think you're right. um One of the things that that I come back to, um and this was a, a quote that Finch had, I think when we were talking to him about some of those weaker opponents that the Wolves were playing, like Portland, you know, the OKC, team, Portland yeah. team, the OKC team. And and he had a quote about, you know, with some of these young teams, it's like there's you don't know what you really have because there's no like veterans out there. They're, they're just kind of running around, you know, and and doing things. Right. And again, I come back to the word structure. Right. Um, and I think back to that first Rosas season with, the, that roster that he assembled before the massive changes at the trade deadline, and I was like, "Did you really? Did they learn anything that that first no, half it, year it, it like a year felt like a? Yeah, it felt like a. And I don't know, I don't, know how, I don't know how it's different if Finch is in charge, or I don't know how those moves at the deadline are different. If Finch is the coach right. and not Saunders, it's it's hard to go back. It, but but and that's think. why but it's like, a, that's what's an interesting hypothetical. Because right.
1: do, do you tank for two years? Right, exactly. If or, or does, got or does, does Finch have
2: place. more? You know, does he have a, maybe not more, but a different influence over over Roses in terms of who he might bring in? While while keeping in mind that you are still rebuilding, mm-hmm. like does the does the supporting cast look a little different than it did for those last for those two years? And and that's
1: why I go back to Gupta and Finch right now, mm-hmm. where something I've learned in, in covering the mm-hmm. NBA is the importance of, it's a tandem of the POVO yeah. and coach. The best ones are. And, and I see that happening with Chris Finch and Sasha Gupta. And, and so for me, as I think about this extension and what Chris Finch has been given today, I think about Gupta and I think a. Something that is fueling Chris Finch leading this team to have exceeded expectations is that relationship with Gupta and that that working relationship mm-hmm. that those two have. And I don't, I don't really understand how you can only extend Finch and not Gupta. Yeah, I, Gupta I think it. Yeah. I think you know. I think that should be together. I think it'll be a mistake if they don't. Not that there's not somebody else out there who's a. Of course, there's other would be other good GM right. candidates out right. there as well, but I don't think you could sleep on the value of those two being connected. And I mean, we've talked to both of those yeah. guys; they love working together, Absolutely, and I feel yeah. I feel that yeah. that genuinely. And so, as you know, Sasha's free agency or whatever <laughs> comes up this summer, Correct. you know yeah. that that's something that I think very much has to be factored in mm-hmm. is is if you take sasha away you've taken something away from chris finch and maybe maybe you can frame it as one step backwards to take three steps forward but i'd be pretty concerned about that that step backwards
2: i would i would be too i i think i think you're you're spot on there i think it is this you know one of the most harmonious relationships in the league maybe i don't know Um, i think so also just because they're both egoless dudes yeah exactly and and so i think about all the possibilities that that might happen you know with sachin you know and just the office of pobo you know does sachin assume that role does somebody else come in to that role with sachin still a part of the organization does Sachin leave if they don't choose him for that? I mean, you know, there's a lot of possibilities that right. can that can come up here in the next few weeks and months. Um, but to your point, and and you wonder, you know, what ownership what ownership is seeing, not just Glenn, but also Lori and A-rod, you know, if they see things working well together, like, wouldn't it make sense to just and you've just, like you said, extended the coach. Doesn't it make sense to to also in tandem make sure well there there's for the sure a connection there there's for sure a connection there
1: and part of the reason why Finch is having success this year is Gupta. They mm-hmm, are going to need mm-hmm. to measure what that value is and you know, you and I could sit here with microphones and and say what it is. Yep. But they're going to have to measure that and and I think a big factor in whether Gupta is here long term is Finch vouching for him. And yeah. I think he will. Yeah. Th- this summer to say you know this is the mm-hmm. this is the the person I want to work with you know going going forward and mm-hmm. I mean we're, we're getting ahead of ourselves a little bit with the, <laughs> with the plan tomorrow but right, right, this is all no matter what happened this mm-hmm. season this offseason coming summer mm-hmm. was going to be huge from a building of the organization standpoint mm-hmm. where you have this new ownership groups um, equity in the in the ownership of the organization growing. Yeah. What is that? What influence do they have when they're now at 40%, more than 20% right. moving towards that 60% ownership? Mm-hmm. You have your president of ba- that inter- functionally interim president of basketball operations, mm-hmm. right? Now with a big question mark next yep. to his name. Yep. I mean, it's like, plus whatever, however, this Wolves season ends, this is not, this is not their high point.
2: Is not. No.
1: they the high point is coming. They're like I mean, I'm not who knows, maybe they'll regress a little bit, but they have a they have a young team that everybody should be better. You the know, arrow, the arrow's season. pointing
2: up. Right, right. The arrow's pointing up.
1: And when the arrow's pointing up, it mm-hmm. is imperative to be winning the off season on the margins mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And also just from trades and signings and everything this summer, like this is a critical time. So, if it isn't again, go, if it isn't Sashin,
2: mm-hmm.
1: who is it? Because they got to make a decision now. I mean, right. we're, we're talking about like the draft is the
2: draft is like mid June, two months and change away. Yeah, yeah.
1: I I mean, and Gupta and his staff mm-hmm. have been all over the and road. They've been the ones prepping for it. this
2: draft the whole the whole time. Yeah.
1: I mean, maybe I have some bias of believing in Gupta or whatever, but <laughs> I just think it would be. It. I think it would for sure be a step backwards if they went into this summer not having those mm-hmm. two guys at the top of the pecking order.
2: I I think I think you're right. I think just and just from a from this season and looking at what you know has gone on the last couple of years here, it's a lot of institutional knowledge just with the front office and some of these young players that they have all worked with and developed. So you know, guys like Jared Vanderbilt. Uh, Jaden McDaniel's aunt, you know, there's there's continuity in understanding these guys, where their trajectories may or may not be going, you know, how much patience to have or not to have with them, what areas of their games they need to work on, you know, and if you overhaul potentially the front office, you know, what does that look like in terms of the expectations for the players, their, their curves in terms of where they're going to be you know their outputs and their like there's just so there's just so much that that the table gets flipped a little yes. bit you know, I'm if, scared if, of that if, table. If, if some of the right.
3: <laughs> right? right? You know, it just, you know, I am. I do I just part of that like is historical. it's like you're
2: building you're building a, a puzzle and somebody comes in and, you know, has right. the, the potential. You flip the table. Maybe the puzzle's still intact when it falls to the floor. <laughs> right. And you could pick it back up and start piecing it back together. <laughs> yeah. But maybe the puzzle breaks right. apart when you flip the table and it hits the floor. Mm-hmm. You know, who knows?
1: That's yeah, that's part of the concern. Let's, let's okay. talk a little bit about uh this. This Clippers matchup and we mm-hmm. haven't had the chance to talk to that many of the players and, mm-hmm. and coaches about it specifically because you know things basically they didn't weren't really going to talk about it until the regular season right. was over and now we have this super quick turnaround where mm-hmm. they're playing on Tuesday night mm-hmm. but we did get a, a little bit of perspective from Finch and Pat Bev and Ant mm-hmm. today at practice I think by
2: Ant's perspective was, I'm not telling you guys anything. Yeah, I
1: was just saying <laughs> say, the the perspective was, we're keeping everything close to the best. Yes, and yes. and because I just think so much of this matchup is going to end up being tactical, mm-hmm. right? Yeah and, yeah, and how they're going to counter the way the Clippers are going to decide to guard Cat, uh, and we just know Tyloo's history of being mm-hmm. that type of coach, and I think it's a, is it an, again another interesting juxtaposition of like. Ty Lu, we know, is this coach who comes into at least any series where he's like, all right, we're going to play the guys. We're going to play the style that mm-hmm. is specific to this series. And Finch, as he told us last night and kind of hinted at again today, like they're going to do what they've done. Right. You're not right. going to see. I don't think we're going to see a different starting lineup. I don't think you're going to see a different sort of tactical approach to playing right this this Clippers team you, you echo that
2: I, I think so and and with a young team I think that's that's the, the smart way to go about it you don't want to take them too far out of their comfort zones by throwing in too many changes
1: they just haven't been uh, a big adjustment and, team all year they haven't right been it's been right no it was like what no. the first like 15 games of the season mm-hmm. they're figuring out their starting lineup yep but then every game since then it's been like all right big three Vando Pat Bev mm-hmm. yep D'Lo plays with the bench like it's been yep. the same yep. for like 50 some right. games now so even if you can make a case for like well maybe Torian Prince provides a little bit more spacing mm-hmm. or you need Malik Beasley's shooting like Finch is choosing to say no ride the horse that right exactly
2: and, you know and he, he'll he play the hot hand too right. whoever's playing well will play more in the second half or which is also what he, always kinda moves, kinda which does. Is what he always kind of does yeah. but yeah they're not going to make too many changes I mean it, it's the Clippers are a more veteran team and so you, you, you know if you throw tactical stuff, Tyloo goes to them and says, We're gonna change a few things ahead of Planet the Timberwolves. They might be more capable of handling that than you know, this team might be. Right. And this team just needs to focus on executing what they do well. And if they execute their stuff well, they will be a tough team to beat for sure.
1: Where are you just at in in your head going into this? Fifty yeah.
2: fifty. I feel like it's a toss up. I I do I, I I listen if they if they come out and execute and and the threes are falling right we're look we could be looking at a twelve to fifteen way, point win either way either way right you know, like exactly if th- right if it's the
1: first half where you, you are know, like oh right nine made three right like, whatever Steve <laughs> is right right there's right seven minutes left in the second quarter like yep.
2: that I, I'm picking that it team. <laughs> could it could, ha- it could go, right it could go either way um I'll give a slight edge to the Clippers just because that's where I'm at too I, I, just because of Past playoff experience, Paul George ha- having beat them three times earlier this year, including twice in Minnesota. I mean, it was a long time ago, but I give them a slight edge. I, I feel relatively good about the Wolves' chances of at least winning on Friday. Yeah. Should yeah. it get to I'm there, um, so I don't. I don't feel like this is going to be a-, a a two and out scenario. Mm. But tomorrow night, I feel like really could go either way.
1: I just hope it goes the right way.
2: <laughs> you know, just
1: I don't want to do another play in. I want to go to Memphis. And I just want to. Like, would be, it would do be that. great
2: for our travel plans if it if they oh won God. tomorrow night. And we could just book our flights and book our you hotels. You and I have been texting the
1: whole time. Not, like, oh, what's the strategy here? Do we book Phoenix? I've, or, I've yeah. had
2: to give Dane some travel tips. Yeah. Like, we're going to be booking flights tomorrow and then canceling them immediately after the oh. game if they lose uh, within that 24-hour window. Um, it's, yeah, it's. It would be better, yeah, than than trying to book something at like 11:30 p.m. Mm. on Friday night, uh, be, that for a flight to Phoenix that might be taking off in about eight hours. <laughs> right. You know, like
1: <laughs> Not that's that's
2: to. what we'd be looking at Friday night potentially.
1: I also just want them to win because, like, I think this is going to be a really, I mean, for the fans, I think it's going to be really fun to obviously get the the playoff experience, but for us too, it's like some of my fondest memories on the beat are that. Houston series, yeah, and I mean, just that. Like, if it is a seven game series, like those two weeks are like a whirlwind. It's it's know? a whirlwind.
2: Having uh, you know, my previous experience in Chicago yeah. was covering deep NHL playoff runs with the Chicago Blackhawks, and it is like a second season on your yeah. on your body as a writer. <laughs> uh, just to forewarn you, if if we ever have a a deep playoff run, it it is.
3: It it, it really is a background here in the media
2: room. (laughs) (laughs) We got it. We got a toilet right, right next to us here in the media room. It is a whirlwind. We we, we f- There was one time Chicago played the Anaheim Ducks in the playoffs, and we had to go out to Southern California three different times in a two-week span to cover a seven-game series. And then because the Blackhawks won, we had to zip right across the country to Tampa no to cover the first two games of the Stanley Cup final. And when I tell you I've never been more tired in my life, yeah. but we still had to trudge on and, and keep writing and, and keep going. Um, that's what you're looking at in the future, maybe. Here. <laughs> I'm well, not going to say that's going to happen this year. I feel like we might have, you know, at worst, two sets of flight to Phoenix, flights to to Phoenix, maybe? for right. For game five? But, you know, other than that, I don't...
1: But that know. goes back to the foundation, right? Yeah. Of, like, you know, I, I think that the first step that Finch has called that this year, of building the foundation, um, I think in ways they've, they've for sure done that
3: mm-hmm.
1: but that's also in jeopardy here yeah. with these with these plans right like yeah it's not going to feel like a first step Mm-mm. if they go loss loss here it won't you it know won't there, there's a lot way. i think there's a lot when we talk about building this out mm-hmm. and and the next step it's also why i think memphis is you know way more valuable for them to play i wouldn't pick the wolves to win that mm-hmm. series but I probably pick it to go six.
2: That would be my pick too. You know, a six game series, yeah.
1: And I again think that would have a ton of value for Anthony Edwards, who mm-hmm. ha- you know didn't even make the NCAA tournament, right? When right. he was in right. in college, like that. Mm-hmm. Again, having covered that Rockets series, mm-hmm. that taught me how valuable this that experience is for young players. I was always like, oh, you know, they always say like playoff right. experience but you know having talked to Carl at that time or wig and, and and some of those guys who it was their it was their first experience i think i think a big part of why this is going to sound weird but i think a big part of why cat is having such a good mm-hmm. year this year mm-hmm. is because he had that experience of kind of a letdown yeah in in that houston series before and mm-hmm. i think for you know 3 years now obviously he has a, had a lot going on outside of basketball. From mm-hmm. a basketball perspective, I think he has been hungry to think so. to change that perception. Because right. I, right? I
2: think because I think it, it's a barometer. It shows you where you need to be, where your team needs to be, mm-hmm. and how you have to elevate your game uh, in certain areas. And I think he definitely learned that and, that. and to your point, I think this could be extremely valuable for, for Ants um, just in terms of Okay, in the playoffs, what do teams really think of you? Yeah. You know, where do where do they think your strengths are, where your weaknesses are? Those will all come out in a playoff series. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. What we're talking about in this
1: series of cat getting doubled Mm -hmm. on the block and Mm -hmm. needing to figure out how to being guarded by a small, the big coming over to double. Like Mm -hmm. that the first time we really saw that was in that was in that Houston series and it kind of cat didn't figure it out. in in that series we've we've seen him grow Mm -hmm. in in that area now but i think part of that growth happening this season is like way back in 2018 absolutely Absolutely. but he had what was it like nine points in game Mm -hmm. one of 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 that series because they guarded him that sort of way so that's Mm -hmm. why like we could do a million different anecdotes like that but to me that's why this matters correct that's why that's why tuesday matters
2: right that's i i i I think you're right i think i think the season you leave with a sour taste in your mouth if you don't win one of these two games. I I, I think if they win Friday, it's still going to be a big moment. It's yeah, still going to yeah, be celebratory. Yeah. You know, you get shellacked by Phoenix in four or five games. You know, but you, you got there, right? Right. I still think I still think that's significant. If they even if it's Phoenix, um, excited at the prospect of them playing Memphis. I, I think it could be a fun a fun series, a potentially contentious series yeah. uh, mm-hmm. between two teams that may not you know may grow a dislike of each other (laughs) sure and those six games could be a lot of fun that's what makes the playoff that's what makes it fun the The narrative of of playoffs um
1: Mm -hmm. all right last thing do you have a an ant story that from your reporting that, that didn't that
2: didn't make the story that didn't make the story um i did get a lot of them in um and i tried to get as many in as i could um let me see
1: it's not a, there's not a hidden
2: there's not quote one there, that didn't make it no no there's not there's not one there's not a hidden quote it is interesting um, that
1: you went and actually like explored where he's from
2: a little bit a little bit yeah um it's you know it's I, I was cautioned not to drive <laughs> <Certain areas. laughs> not to, not to really park where where he grew up or anything like that um you know, uh, there, okay. There was one time, uh, dating back to his football days, uh, his, his uncle drew banks told me this. Um, he said, uh, there was one time in a youth football game, you know, they called a certain play and everybody knew that aunt was going to be getting the ball. Um, because that's just what it was, right. Antic. He was Ant. I, I forget how old he was at the time. Uh, maybe 10, 11, um, Anyway, they call this play, it was fourth and goal from like the, maybe the four or five yard line. So they call a play where Ant is supposed to take the handoff and run to the right, and then it's a throwback. To the quarterback who's peeling out, kind of like a Philly special, kind interesting
1: of, Fourth of Gold right? play selection
2: <laughs> in youth football, right? Yeah. <laughs> Tells you maybe how advanced their football mean, team you know, was. Football, youth football right? might be better in Atlanta than Minnesota, <laughs> right, right? Exactly. He, maybe so. Maybe he was twelve. I don't know. Right. I don't know, right? But anyway, that was the call. It was Ant was essentially a decoy for the throwback. Um, he screwed up the play. <laughs> he said he said he was supposed to like. He was supposed to take a, a pitch from the quarterback, and instead he comes right up and, like, takes a handoff from, uh. from the quarterback. So the play is, like, getting all screwed up, all screwed up. <laughs> um, but he goes, like, you know, defense is following, defense is following, but he still pulled it off. And he still hmm. pulled off the – the throw they still won the game even though he screwed up the play initially and almost threw it into chaos I mean, that's just um, being a better athlete than everyone else it
1: kind, <laughs> kind, of, of, right? it kind of sounds like the his rookie season <laughs> right
2: it's just like just go out there and he just, figure it out and whether well, he might have screwed it up but he the he play still end, the play ended all right <laughs> yeah the, the you know there's there were stories about uh, you know his diet and just you know uh, another one uh, Dana Watkins I didn't get this one in he said sometimes you know a lot of times they would just go to subway uh you know for a quick lunch or something like that ants subway order was roll of bread and just ham <laughs> with nothing else just just bread and ham no no veggies no sauce no whatever just bread with ham. That's it. Just a ham, just like a, it's a ham sandwich. A ham sandwich essentially, <laughs> plain ham sandwich. No, no, nothing else on the on it, but just bread and ham.
1: He's a goof. He, he's a fascinating a, a fascinating character, and I, I, I mean, I, I think we, I speak on behalf of both of us. I, just excited to continue to cover him. Yeah, but, absolutely, and, and, and see mm-hmm. not only who he becomes as a basketball player, mm-hmm. but like we both vouch for him as a as a person and. Mm-hmm. I don't know for me those are the type of people i like to cheer for yeah you know yeah and and he's just a yeah he's a he's a good dude i think your story provided a lot of extra context on that Mm -hmm. um kind of what our assumptions yeah were but um laid out some details so for real man props to you thank you appreciate it doing that it was something that i think people are going to remember one of those stories that is kind of the one of the keystones of of the season.
2: I hope so. I hope so. I, I've gotten a lot of nice uh tweets, uh, emails about it, so th- I I appreciate everybody uh that read it and responded well to it cuz it seems to have made the impact I was hoping for. So so thank you to whoever listened and and read it and uh Yeah, it's got to be a cool feeling. <laughs> yeah. It, uh, it does. Thank you so much.
1: Uh you do a great job <laughs> covering this Timberwolves team. Maybe we have a lot more basketball Maybe? Uh, <laughs> ahead of us. Uh, we'll be in Memphis or Phoenix if, if we get there, and I look forward to covering that that series with you. We both kind of came onto the beat mm-hmm. at the at the same time, and. Mm-hmm. Well, Seen our fair share of L's.
2: This is why. This is why you, you get into this business. You want to cover big games. You want to cover playoff games. So I'm yeah. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. You, you know, it's it's going to be fun. No matter no matter what happens, it's going to be different. It's different. It's going to be different, different than a lot of the games sure. that we've covered. Uh, yes, in, in in our careers. Here. Absolutely. So
1: he's uh, he's Chris Hine. Follow him on Twitter at Christopher Hine. Again, read that story um, at the Star Tribune. Startribune.com. It's titled "The Joy Within Anthony." edwards and yeah again a a defining story of this time props to you chris follow him on twitter i will be back to talk to all of you after um tuesday night's game whatever the result is there and and we'll move on we'll 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 see we'll see what's next Uh, until then he's chris i'm dane
3: How I'm feeling, man, I hope it never stops, yeah. Green it off so you can find me in the crowd, yeah, yeah. Don't let standards ever ever bring you down, yeah. Hope you're dancing like nobody else around, yeah.